If this faith we talk about is the deciding and ultimate and only true healer of individuals, marriages, families, cultures, nations, the world. If it's true that it is, we have to come to a sobering conclusion, right? Either, like really a bigger question, either it is that or it's not. And if it's not that, if there's a lot of other options for people for that answer, for the ultimate and greatest healer, and it's not Jesus, but he's one in many, then I'm not sure we need to be doing this every Sunday. I'm really not sure of that. Matter of fact, I don't know, maybe feel, maybe make us feel good, maybe. But if he is the ultimate and true healer of individuals, marriages, families, cultures, nations, the world, then we need to really take a real, really, really serious hard look at that and decide and ask ourselves the question, have I organized my life in such a way that I understand that mission and I'm going to lean into that mission, have I or have I not? Because it really doesn't make much sense outside of that, does it? Because I believe there are certain things that is put in us and when we're born and through our life that only Christ can heal. Not only our salvation, but wounds that have happened to us or we've caused to happen. He is the great healer. He is the great redeemer. But then the question comes flying back at us. What are we doing to organize our life in such a way that we make a difference in that? That includes the church. That's not just individuals. Our marriages, our families. We've talked about this before. If we get get up each day with this thought, if I make a good grade in this life following after Christ, at the end of the test, at the end of the schooling, at the end of whatever, this whole thing's a test, and I make a pretty good grade, and I get into heaven, that's awesome. Hopefully, grades on a curve, maybe. But what if the reality is you're on a mission? You would get up each day differently. You would look at each choice differently. So we're starting a series today, one we did many years ago, called Chasing Daylight. Now, being turning 64 on my sabbatical, uh, one of the things that I realize there's more behind me that's in front of me. For some of you, that's just the opposite. I mean, if you live as long as I have and longer. And it may not, not may, obviously may not be true for some. People die in their single digits. They die in their teens. They die in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and 100s. A lot of times I'm out mowing the yard. I, you know, by the way, if anyone, anybody that knows needs to buy a house in South Phoenix, let me know about that. But one of the things, that's one of the hardest things about keeping the, the property we got is, you know, I get home and the sun's going down. And I like those light, the, you know, straight, tight lines on my grass. And I, people come, I see my neighbor come by and I go, dude, I'm chasing daylight. 
And he knows what I mean, because I can't do this when it gets dark. <laughs> okay, it's like all over the place. We're closer to when Christ is coming back. So John chapter 9, verse 4 and 5 will be our text for the next many weeks. And of course, there will be other texts that go with that. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world... I am the light of the world. Now, this book, many of you know where we get this from. Aaron McManus wrote a book many years ago called Chasing Daylight. So it's it's been many, many years ago, close to 20 years, I would say, when he wrote the book. But it has stuck with us, and we've used it often in our journey of of, uh, youth ministry all the way up until now here at Renovation Church. But that concept of, man, we got a certain amount of time to get this done. And wasting days and wasting hours... I don't mean resting. We all know that that's part of the the rhythm we should have. Don't don't misunderstand. Don't hear what I'm not saying as we say here. But we also waste it on things. And and, in this day and age, we waste it on a lot of things every day that we didn't even really have an issue with 20 years ago. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, some of you were not born, obviously, but 20 to 25 years ago, you didn't waste your time scrolling. You didn't even waste your time binge-watching because we're only had commercials. Normally, you, DV, you know, DVR'd it, took longer, and you sure did, you had to wait another week or next year. But we find ways to, to take our minds off, and I'm as guilty as anybody in here, so don't, don't think that I'm putting judgment on you. And it's almost if, and we'll talk about it more today in choices, it's almost if we don't have a choice. That is so automatic now that that's where we go to. And really don't ask ourselves, is this advancing the kingdom? Now again, I'm not making you try to make you feel guilty for binge watching something. My question is, if Jesus is the true healer, if he is the answer to all these things, how have we organized our life to complete that mission? And no doubt, I would say many of you in here would, if you've really thought about it, almost all of us would, we'd look at certain choices we've made in our, our lives and say that was a turning point. It could be bad. It could be for dysfunction. It could be for something you have to try to get over maybe the rest of your life. Or it could be for good. It changes the trajectory of your life. And you do it in such a way that you look back and go, man, if I had to chose that, You know, mine, there's a lot of them. Of course, meeting Jan's one of them for me. Changed everything because one of the reasons it changed everything because it led me to the Lord by choosing to continue to follow it. Thank goodness, though, in many ways, I chose her. She didn't, I'm not sure she chose me for a long time, but, but, but she did. Highway 82, I mean, and, and I-30 at, at exit 199 in Hooks, Texas, I mean, New Boston, Texas, where I gave my life to the Lord on that, that, that on-ramp going on to, to I-30. 
I made a decision right there. Now, I could have, I could have gone to the hospital, which I, I did go to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying, going to hell. That's a whole different story, right, that I can get into in specifics on that. But I could have found out when I went to the hospital and I found out I really wasn't having a heart attack. I was having a panic attack because what happened was Jan and her, our two friends that were in there with us talking about somebody else having a heart attack and all of a sudden I started having a heart attack. But I made a decision in that truck for whatever reason that I'm going to choose this. And I went public the next morning. This is on Saturday evening, next morning when we went to church. I made it public and have never looked back. Defining moments. Moving over to renovation in 2012. It's a defining moment in my life. But how many choices we make each day I mean, most of them seem automatic. And I think most of them are probably for the good, especially the ones that are automatic. And, you know, we, but man, I remember going through COVID. I don't know if you remember this part of it. I mean, oh, you remember COVID, those who are old enough. But decision fatigue. The decisions you had made before that you thought were automatic were no longer automatic. Now you had to t- make a choice in that moment do I shake that hand? Do I give that hug? Do I wipe these groceries down? Do I, do I wear this mask? Do I not wear this mask? Okay, what? It's conflicting information I'm getting here. I'm having to make decisions on things I never thought I'd ever have to make decisions on. Because they were automatic. And we get fatigued when we're always having to consciously do that. But I, I, I would say this, though. There are a lot of decisions we make automatically that I think we do need to stop and go, is this the right decision? And often it's between good choices, where we go out to eat, you know, what we're going to eat, we're not really, it's not a, it's not a life-changing event. Sometimes it's the, the phrase we've used often, this is a choice be, between two evils, right? We look at it, and I don't know if they're evil or not, but we look at those choices and goes, either one of these, I don't want to have to choose either one because neither one of them is one I want to have. We find ourselves there in that anxious moment of trying to decide between two things we don't want to be a part of. On the flip side of that, sometimes we can have too many choices and it paralyzes us. Or we don't make a decision because we want to leave our options open. So it takes us a long time to commit to something. We just kind of keep putting it off and putting it off and go, oh, now no, nothing else came along that was better, so I decided to do this. Any of you have friends like that? <laughs> or they're willing to decommit real close to the time, and you go, well, that's just how we roll, right? We just roll going, yeah, I committed to you, but I got a little closer and found a better option. So I did this. And I realize, you know, a lot of decisions we make in life, sometimes we think because it's presented to us and it looks godly and looks spiritual, then surely that's got to be it. I know years when I was a youth pastor had options and, 
And I'm, I was thankful that we had options to leave where we were in Texarkana. And, and, and what I mean by that, the people were asking. But we prayed for a few years. And then when it came to moving to Crossroads and moving to Arizona, my decision, sure, I asked a lot of different people. Of course, Jan and I prayed about it. We prayed about it with our kids. We did the interviews, did all those things. But I knew I still hadn't heard from the Lord specifically. So I went out to my favorite spot on the Cossatot River uh, in, in Wicks, Arkansas, and just took my boom box. And back, I guess, that's twice this year I brought up boom box, I think. But, to, but took my boom box and, and was playing worship music from, uh, from, from the 90s. Uh, and just with my Bible and a jug of water, I said, Lord, I'm staying here till I hear from you, till I know. And fortunately, it wasn't days, it was hours. <laughs> Because I'd got all the information I knew to collect. But there still was this, all that's good information. It's not even conflicting information. But Lord, I need to hear from you. I need to know. We've never looked back. But here's the problem for some of us. When it comes to following after God, we stay in indecision a lot. We stay in that point of where we're kind of over here and we're kind of over here. And it determines a lot of what I've said up front. And then basically, Francis Chan, who I paraphrased his quote, it's not his quote, but it kind of paraphrased it years ago. If, 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 if this What we do, this faith we have, the one we follow, if he is the ultimate and true healer, if I really can't answer that, yes, I believe that with everything, then I've got to be able to organize my life. But if I'm still deciding whether I really believe that or not, and some of you can go decades without doing that. Or you can believe it at one time, and somewhere along the way, as I read the Max Lucado quote last week, we leave that behind. There's the busyness of church. There's the, there's the activities we're involved in. Man, that's more important because I know I'm, I, I must be doing the things of God. I must be because I'm doing that thing and I'm giving here and I'm volunteering there. But inside, you don't really still have this burning passion that every day, I believe this is the answer. For many of us, we will put more planning into our next vacation than we do living this out, which is here and gone. We won't put more planning into all kinds of different things than that. So while it's still light, and I would almost put in there, and I don't want to be careful here because I don't want to be found being taking scripture and and being a heretic but I would always put in there while you're still light while you are still light work while you are still light don't let it fade 
with all the things going on, all the wrappings that, that the world presents us with today, if you're not careful, that light fades. And it dims, I guess maybe a better way to say it, but it dims. And again, I'm, with you, I'm on this journey with you. Please hear me. I struggle with it too. Because the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth come along and it says to choke out, but I would say dim the light. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus closes off all of his other options. I've come to do the will of the Father. And I'm closing everything else off except this one thing. You know, often, I don't have the scripture here, but often we struggle, and, I, I, and we talked about it in joy. One of the biggest detriments to joy and joy killer is comparison. How come you get to do that? And I've got this. How come? Well, that just doesn't seem right. But then I go to John 21, and Jesus is speaking to Peter. After the resurrection, last chapter of John, one of my favorite conversations in Scripture. Well, he tells Peter when he asks the three questions to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Many of you already know that scripture. If not, look at John chapter 21. But do you love me? Do you love me? And he answers him three times. And Peter gets frustrated. But he goes on to tell Peter, when you are older, they will lead you away. And he's basically describing how Peter would die. Now stretch out your hands. Now, you need to know this. Peter lived another 36 years after that, the best we can tell. He had that hanging over him, <laughs> that this is my end. But what does he do like any of us would do? He looks at who? John. And he goes, what about John? And he says to Peter, if I want John to live and never, basically never die, basically what he's implying, what is that to you? That's one of the hardest things for me in Scripture sometimes is going, that God would set me down and go, yeah, I see what they're doing, but what's that to you? One of the hardest things for us to work through. For many of us, we get in these seasons of life where we feel like we don't have a choice. Our choices are limited. Sometimes we have addictions that need to be confronted. And, and what I mean by that is you, you may need more help than, than just prayer. You may have, need someone to walk it out with you. 
There are times you make choices and you look back on them and go, man, I made a terrible choice, but you don't know the whole story. You don't really know if you did or not. You know, in 1 Corinthians, it says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Sometimes we make decisions about decisions we've made. And we say, that's the worst decision I ever made. And it may be, but you also may find out later it wasn't. Because right now only we see partly. Someday we will see fully. You know, I know it's frustrating. You heard me use this illustration before, but I, I, <clears throat> I don't like seeing fragments. I want to see the whole thing. Well, tell me how this part, how it works out over here. That, that would make me feel a little better. I think I'd be more in. I would jump into this. It's like going to the movies. I don't like going to the movies and have to go to the bathroom. That is one of the things I try to guard myself. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you're that way. I don't want to be gone for five minutes and miss the most important part. That was the turning point in the movie, and somehow or another I had to go to the bathroom. Or you show up late. And you're 10 to 15 minutes into it, and you don't know. All you're seeing is now fragments. You don't even know where this thing, you don't know where the basis of, you don't know where it started. Like Lord of the Rings, you, 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 you get set down in the Lord of the Rings, it's 12 to 13 hours and watch five minutes of it, and you know the whole thing. You don't. Because you're only seeing fragments. And often we, we make this statement, I could say this for sure, man, if I'd only known God then, if I'd understood, if I'd been more wise then, man, where would I be today and where would those who may be affected by the choices I make be today? And often, it's one of the hardest like I said, one of the hardest things is going, Lord, I believe you're calling me to do this, but I'm choosing not to follow it. I remember praying with a man years ago who was in Texarkana, who was, and it was a, when, I, when, I, when I was on staff at Texarkana, you did hospital visits three or four times a week. It's the way it, is, the way it was in the 90s and in the South. But a lot of times it was not anybody you knew. Okay, it was a cousin of a, a friend of another cousin. I mean, it's kind of like, but as a pastor, you were told that's what you go do. You just go visit them. So you show up, and you show up in a hospital room, and they're dying. And you don't even know them. And you just sit down and listen and pray with them. But I remember sitting there, or, or me standing there, really, and the man was dying, and he did die a few days after that but regretting that he knew what the Lord had told him 40 years before that. And he chose his way. Not the Lord's way, his own way. And he knew it. Sometimes we get a second chance to kind of make that difference. We know it and we get a chance to come back. And I don't say correct it because we may have missed a length of time that we could have been following after him. But at least we get a second chance. But we have choices every day. Small ones that become big over time. Sometimes there's big ones that, that are game changers. We talk about an uncommon. There are those. But there are those that we choose each day that if we choose them well, stack up over time.
This week I saw this, I heard this quote from Nick Saban. Those of you who know Nick Saban, uh, retired this week from Alabama. And I thought it was interesting, uh, his quotes. We have them up there or not? Because I just, I think I just took them off my notes for some reason. Okay, there they are. He said, first, is there something I'm supposed to do that I really don't want to do? Can I make myself do it? If there is something I know for sure I am not supposed to do, but I want to do it, can I keep myself from doing it? And he said that he asked the team that every Friday. And it was just part of his mantra of going, asking yourself in these decisions of where I'm going and what I want to become, am I asking the right questions? And am I willing to do the right thing? Am I willing and have the courage to not do the other things that I know I'm not supposed to? Matter of fact, his language I put in there, I had to tweak it a little bit just so you know. But anyway, it could have been more powerful, but I had to tweak it because I couldn't do it on Sunday morning. But And we talk about in the Church of the Nazarene because we do believe in, in free will to choose to follow after Christ or not. But we also know that there are things that are chosen for us. The family you're born into, the country you're born into, you didn't have any choice in that. You don't have free will to say, I'd rather be 6'7 than you know, six foot or whatever. You don't have that free will. You don't get to choose there's certain things that are chosen for you. Part of that, your personality in some ways. And so many things are developed in you. It's your nature. It's your bent. Some of it comes up, come up the way you're raised. Some of it comes up from, from uh, no doubt, God wired you that way. And knowing how to use those things, I think, are really important. I, I, I've said this often about myself. My, I, I, I'm an over-analytic I don't know why I'm that way. Maybe it's a, I was raised around people who are analytic, or I'm just wired that way. Where I know I'm wired that way now. And I know from my life, if I'm not putting that, that mind of my, that I have of over, I, just overthinking things, I don't know if any of you are in here that do that. But one of the things I can do, I, I'm a, I, I've talked about this before, one of the things I'm really good at is punch list. Because I'm so detailed on the things that need to get done. But the downside to that kind of mind is if it's not set on good things, it can also be brutal to yourself. That it's going to be working because God's designed me that way. But if it's not being used for the, for the good, it can be detrimental to you. And one of the things that we have done here at Renovation is that we realize there are things that have happened. There are things that are going on in your life that, that sometimes we don't know how to make sense of. Obviously, uh, we're not the purveyors of all knowing here, but there are ways that we've figured out over the years that maybe we can help people make sense of the things that have gone on in life, even bad things, to make sure they're not potentially not wasted and used for good. I mean, I, when I go through a season, which I, I'll be honest with you, I'm going through a season right now of, of, of just working through something. And, and one of the things I ask the Lord is, is that don't let this be wasted. Hopefully whatever I'm going through and my, uh, whatever this season is right now, Lord, I'm just asking that whatever it is, whatever I get on the other side of it, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to show me, please let that be useful to the kingdom, useful to individuals. 
But one of the things we've developed here over the years, actually developed before we came to renovation, is something called Uncommon. It wasn't called Uncommon until we got here. And it's something that has been, that I believe the Lord has put on my heart. And that I'm supposed to be obedient with. And I've been trying to do that for years and trying to make it better and trying to make it useful because I think it's useful to people. Because I've asked the Lord, I'll be honest with you, I've asked the Lord to take uncommon off my plate. Many of you who are close to me know that I've asked him, if this is not something that should be useful in the kingdom, I don't want it. It actually would set me free in some ways. That I could focus on something else. But it is, if it is of you, and you're developing it to be useful to the kingdom, don't let it just stay on me. And so, when we came over here in 2012, and those who were in that, that board meeting that night, when I, in, in, in February 13th, 2012, when I met with that board, we met with this, the board here at Renovate, or Biltmore, excuse me, I'm trying to get that word right, Biltmore Church of the Nazarene at the time, I shared with them that what God has put on my heart doesn't have an address. It doesn't need to be necessarily at 5604 North 24th Street or 2950 West Ray Road in Channel where Crossroads is. It doesn't necessarily have to be at an address, but I do know whatever, wherever I am, I'm supposed to be doing something with it. And so you'll see often, we did it just last year, the Uncommon Training, eight weeks, and we'll talk to you just briefly about that is that I believe what we do with it is give you a choice, an opportunity, because what happens many times, I believe, in people's lives, one, until your story is challenged, until you see the information, you don't do anything to make change with it. You need to see your story, and, and the more you can see around your story, you begin to go, okay, I need to do something with this. This is not wasted. That wasn't wasted. I've, I've said this before. Some of you have gone through so much in life you need to, not only do you need to stick around, you need to see what the fight was all about in that season of your life. And use that moving forward. But one of the things that I've been so passionate about because of this, because I've been in the ministry 31 years. And over that period of time, many churches, and believe me, I, the churches, are, I, I, I visited a lot of churches around town while I was on sabbatical. We got some awesome churches in this valley. Now, I don't want you to leave, and some of you may decide to do that at some point sooner than later. I don't know, but I'm just going to tell you, there's some awesome churches out there. But one of the things I look at often is their discipleship, and they have some great things inside of that, and there's some things I think we need to implement as I'm learning from them. But one of the things I don't see, which is often in the church, is Leadership has a vision. It kind of comes down, and, and it's with the staff and maybe the board, and kind of comes down. And one of the things often is we ask people to come. We want people to attend. We want people to give. And by the way, we need people to give if we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Volunteer. We desperately need that. And be in some level of community. But what doesn't happen often, even in the megachurches all the way down, is asking the question, what's on your heart? How did you end up here? And what story does your life tell that maybe inside of this church body, 
We haven't even found out what we should be most passionate about. Maybe you guys have holy discontents or things that are on your heart that God's put there, but you don't know that anybody else in here does, but maybe there's other people inside of this church that has that that you'll never find out unless we do things to help discover that. And the very things that God has given you, your personalities and your personality and things of that nature, often can be used for bad, but most of the time, God is, obviously, God has given it to you to be used for good because you're a unique you. But one of the biggest things over the years that kind of caught me is, and it's a study that many of you have seen me use up here before, is the Barna slide. I think we have that. Is that right? We have that? Huh? Hello? At the bottom. Oh, there it is. is that as I look at this, it just kind of hit me that, and it's partly even my experiential part of this as a pastor and as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is if we're not careful, when you look at the breakdown of all this, the highest percentage beside, besides the concern about the implication of personal sin is the commitment to faith activities. If we're not careful, we will just get you involved in activities, but there's no change happening. You'll get more information. I can preach to you over and over, and you, you probably don't. Some of you may remember us doing Chasing Daylight. I'm, there's one out here I know will, uh, particular. Uh, but the reality is you're just getting more information. But the reality is, and I think that's kind of where many of us, even myself right now, is this spiritual discontent. Lord, this is not enough. Lord, I at 64, I, I want to be pacing it out to where I can retire in a few years and go on with my life and just enjoy. No, Lord, you are, I wasn't built for that. I was built for something more. Doesn't mean I don't need more downtime. I think I do. Yes. But Lord, when you begin to disrupt, when you begin to stir in me, do I lean into that and I go, Lord, you're causing this disruption in me right now, this stirring in me because there's change coming? Or is it just easier to slide back into just church activities? We'll just keep you busy. So that one of the reasons we have developed uncommon is that you would find a way to begin to move forward when you're stuck there. Give, give me the five C's real quick before I, if you don't mind. There it is. And you can see those. I'm not going to teach on those. You've heard me teach on them, but most of you have heard me teach on them before. But I just want to say this. When you get over to the convinced, there's an issue that many of us have, and it's in the cap part of it. We're stuck some of it may be an event in your life, you're stuck there. You've really not grown much past that. Well, we want to address some of those things. We, we, again, we don't know all or do all here at Renovation, but we may be able to help resource you. But when God begins to stir us in this discontent where it's unacceptable to stay where we are, he begins to stir and awaken us going, God, you're doing something in my life right now doing something in my family's life, you're doing something in my marriage. We begin to lean in and engage. 
And so, what, again, what Uncommon's purpose is, is to help give you a choice, give you an option to say, okay, how could I walk that out? To have such a compelled life, because many of you know the word compelled can be used for dysfunction. I'm compelled. I can't help it, but I keep doing that. It's almost as if I have no control. I don't have a choice in that because I just do it automatically because it just pulls me there. And many of you know what that's like. And it can be a plethora of things that we wouldn't even necessarily call addiction. Where we know it's not taking us where we want to go. If we really sat down and asked the question, this thing, this what this is that I keep repeating, is it taking me back to Jesus is the answer for every individual, marriage, family. And so we've developed this teaching. And I, my, my hope is that we will have enough this time around to go through it again. We're starting next Sunday. And we'll be going through the 10th of March from 9 to 1010. But I'll say to you, there's, there's exercises involved in that. We will challenge you in areas of your life that maybe you've not asked the questions before. And I'm going to say, some of you, you're not ready for it. And you may find out in the middle of it you're not ready for it. But I believe we will do everything on our end of it to make it so useful to you. By the time you get to the end of it, you will at least move forward in your walk. But what we hope to do through that is to fi- take the story that God has given you and help develop that and make sense of that where when you move forward, there's some clarity. Because one of the thoughts, and I, and I would just say this, it's, it's to help you have clarity of what is, what can be, and a pathway to live it out. And one of the things we talk about over and over and uncommon is if you're going on a trip, you got that slide, I hope. If you're going on a trip, what's the first thing you need to know is where you are. And so that's how we develop it. From location, and you see the three things there, to route, to vehicle, to destination. The destination is always what? Christ-likeness. It's not destination that you will be bought into renovation, mission, vision, values, We hope you will be. But our vision here is to raise up influences through spiritual transformation, to be salt and light while it's still light, don't let your light dim, where, where you're engaged in influential. And every one of us is an influencer in here. It's one of the most precious things. You don't have any choice. And it doesn't matter what age... You have influence. And so this is a tool for us to live into the vision God has given us here. And one of the hardest parts, again, and I I say it over and over, is making the decision to say, I'm going to block this time out. I believe I'm going to commit to something and say, this is important enough to me. And I'm not going to say, if you don't come down here today, you're sending a message to me. It's not important enough to you. But I do want to say this. I believe after 
five or six years, over 100 people have gone through it, or close to 100 people have gone through it. I do believe it is a tool. It's not the only tool, but it is a tool. And I do believe we need to be putting more toolbox, tools in the toolbox at renovation to help other parts of this that, that Uncommon doesn't necessarily address. But I believe with all my heart that this is a significant tool for some of you. So starting next Sunday, from 9 to 10.10, we'll be doing that. You will have, like I said, exercises, or lack of a better word, homework during the week, probably an hour to hour and 15 minutes, maybe less for some of you, maybe more for others. To begin to take your story and begin to make sense a little bit of it, of how God can use it in the kingdom. Choices. Choices. Because one of the things I don't want to do is to be that pastor who tries to, to, to bring you to a point of decision and not give you a path to start walking it out. So that's what we're trying to do with Uncommon. Will it be for everybody? No. And back, go back to the, five, uh, to, the, to the five C's real quick. And for some of you, this is just not going to... Time may be part of it, but some of it may just be... I'm just really... And the reason why I put complacent there is because for some of us, we get kind of stuck going, this is good enough. Kind of like being... Like I've used the illustration before in a marriage. The day you got married, you said, I love you. And the old saying, if anything changes, I'll tell you. But the reality is, it's easy to get in that marriage and get complacent. You're not getting divorced. Of course not. You, that's not even on the table. You're just not going to passionately pursue the relationship. And part of that may be at times because you're capped. And in a marriage, it may be because you've never seen it lived out. It wasn't lived out in your family. It wasn't lived out in other things. Again, I know, I know everybody here is not married, so I know it doesn't. And, and parents, I get that. I'm just using that as the simplest illustration. So after the service, we're going to, I'm going to ask him to come on up. We're going to break for a few minutes, I think seven minutes. I think that's what we've got. I'm going to ask if, you're interested in it at all. I've taken it, and there's someone here probably taken it six or seven times. We've, we believe that you could take it once a year and you grow from it. But I know I've taken it, I've taken it every time we've done it. <laughs> and I learned something new about myself that hopefully, and, it's, and let me say this too. I want to make sure you know this. This is not a self-help thing. I believe one of the greatest things that comes out of this times, and I know we've, we've talked about it here, is that people discover that God's really made them in a way that's so unique, that's so precious. And it's almost like, I remember in the office one day when Allie was coaching someone and you could almost hear the, the, almost the yelling of, of joy going, God made me, that's not a flaw, <laughs> basically. God can use that. And they had never looked at it that way. Even some of the worst moments of their life, 
they look at that and go, I want to block that out. But somehow or another, filter through the Holy Spirit and filter through the right context, it becomes something that stirs them to move forward to change people's lives. And you thought it was wasted. And it wasn't. I've even said, going through uncommon, especially like blind spot. If all you get out of it going through this time is you take some luggage you've been carrying maybe most of your life and through going through this you set that piece of luggage down and say I'm never picking it up again never picking it up again take it again another time and now you've got freedom to move forward because you're not capped any longer So I can't promise for each of you that everybody will get the exact same pacing or understanding. What I do believe is those who choose to do it, even for the second and third time, as I've talked about, you will not be the same. So I just want to encourage you, and we're going to sing, and then we'll break right on time. In seven minutes, if you're interested in it at all, we'll give you more information on that. But it is our main discipleship here to move you from one place. Bible studies are part of it, but this takes you to a, to a different place. It's a reason why, like I said, I'm here. And I hope it'll be a part of my DNA the rest of my life. We just want to share that with you and help you move forward. Would you stand with me before we sing? Lord, we just uh, come before you today. Knowing that choices, choices to to stay where we are. But Lord, we we know this. We never really stay where we are. Our surroundings may look the same. Our house may look the same. Our job may look the same. But Lord, I am convinced either we're going coming to follow after you. Or Lord, we're just settling into a place that is comfortable enough but we don't want to be discontent or disturbed in the sense that you're moving us and changing us to a new place Lord we don't mean addresses or anything else even though it could be for some but there are different mom and dad there are different husband and wife, they're different single, they're different teenager. Because Lord, if it's all true, that you're the greatest and only true and ultimate healer of mankind, we need to be walking in a way that gets us in a place where we can be best used to live that out. In our home, in our workplace, in our schools, Wherever our foot sets down, Lord, we want to be those people. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for those who are potentially going to show up front here in just a few minutes. And Lord, I pray that you'd give them insight and wisdom to what you're calling them to do. Lord, let us be found faithful as a church. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We sing as we close.